0: Is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see the thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary, Joseph, and the babe laying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning the child and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd but mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying praising god for the thing that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them
1: Merry Christmas. What a great time of the year. It's just a blessing to um, be here this morning. It's also a blessing to be able to give a message on Christmas. What a wonderful time of the year. So many things to be said about Christmas. We've heard quite a bit this morning already. Um, Yeah, the scripture is full of the Christmas message. We have so much to be thankful for, too. And I was thinking about that this Christmas season you know, the country we live in, county we live in, church we have here, family we have, um, I'm just very blessed and I'm just thankful for what God's done for, for me. And more than anything, thankful for what He's done um, on that Christmas Day or for coming down here on earth and dying for us. I'd like to thank you as a church, too, um, for what you've done for, for us personally me personally and for our family, uh, thank you again for, for your generous gifts and just for everything you do for us. This morning, the title of my message could have a lot of different titles and a lot of different messages on Christmas, but I chose to speak on the messengers of that important message. <clears throat> Every year at Bald Eagle Boys Camp, we had this tradition where we'd read this book called The Best Christmas Pageant Ever. I don't know if you've ever read that, it's not the Bible, it's far from it, it's just a Christian fiction. But there was a part of that story that would always get me. In fact, I thought I had to buy that book this um, last week, and I started reading it, and I had the same results. I'd get to the last chapter, and I'd start crying, couldn't stop myself. And I was going to read a little bit of that this morning, but I think I'll just leave that one go. But in the story, um, there's the Herdsman family, and the Herdsman family was a very, very bad family, and they did many things very badly or very, I don't know what word you want to use for it, and it's pretty dramatic in the book how the author went about portraying the Herdsman family. The Herdsman family never heard the story of Jesus, but every year they'd have this Christmas pageant at the village or at their town. The herdsman family usually weren't there, but they happened to decide they want to be there, and they took over the pageant and read the pageant that year. And in the last chapter of the book, Emma Jean, the meanest of all the herdsmen, was Mary, and everybody wondered what Emma Jean would do, um, the pageant. Um, but anyways, the story goes on that um, as the lights came on, Emma Jean was holding the baby Jesus, and she just started crying. And <clears throat> she st- sat there and cried and just let her tears fall on the baby Jesus. And the reason she cried is because she grasps what Jesus really did for her. And what I want to say about that is I think so often we as Christians hear the story so often. We go through Christmas so often and don't really grasp that message. Um, This morning, I want to talk a little bit about the message, but I also want to talk about the messengers of Christmas. They were quite an un likely messengers, the Herdsman family. And I think we'll find out through Scripture. There's many messengers throughout Scripture. And most of the messengers, which we got into this morning in our Sunday school lesson, were unlikely messengers. Now, it's Christmas morning this morning, or we're getting into Christmas. And I know there's a lot of Christmas meals coming. And I think there's a lot of excitement from the children to get home. So I'm going to try to keep our, my message a little shorter. Um, as I was thinking about the messengers, and I had a whole list of messengers, and you could probably think of all the many messengers of the message, I had to eliminate about 10 of them. Um, and even last night, I had to eliminate another one because I realized this message might get a little too long. If you had big news to share with the world, how would you go about sharing it? And we know the Christmas story is probably the biggest news there ever was. Would you hold a press conference? Would you give it to WikiLeaks? Or would you send out emails or tweets or maybe Facebook messages? Well, God had some very, very big news to share on that Christmas Eve. And who did God use to prepare the, and tell the people the most important message? He used shepherds. He used tired prophets, disillusioned prince living in the wilderness, an old man and an old lady, and many, many, many other people. This is one of the most beautiful aspects of Christmas story is the variety of people God used. And I think he used each one of them specifically for a reason for something he wanted to tell us. They all played critical roles as God's messenger of the birth of his son, Jesus, the Savior of the whole world. So what was so important about that message that he needed so many messengers and so many years to tell the story? Well, Let's look at the message a little bit this morning. I'm going to spend just a bit of time looking at the message, and then we'll talk about the messengers. I believe there was something so important about the message that we should stop every Christmas season, probably more than that, but at least during Christmas, and be reminded again of that important message that came Christmas Day. We should be asking ourselves again, how is, Christmas, how is the Christmas message personal to me? This Christmas, as we get into our busyness, let's stop and be reminded again um, why Christmas should be important, why that message is important for me. So what was the message that's so important today? And I could probably ask, I'm going to, maybe I'll just take the time here and ask, why do you think that message is so important? What was the message um, of Christmas that is important? Somebody, real quickly, what is the Christmas message? Let's just get three or four, and I know there'll probably be a lot of different ones. Salvation, Salvation. very good, yes. What else? Redemption. Redemption. (coughs) Someone else. Ladies. Peace, Peace. yes. Any more? There's lots more. God God with us. The incarnate. You see, since the fall, we're reminded again and again and again of death and our sins. And we should be. The Old Testament is full of terrible stories of sin, fallen man, and terrible consequences for those sins. It's also full of many prophets reminding the people of the judgment they are about to face because of their sins. A lot of you have probably read the Bible through this year, or a lot of you spend time in the Old Testament, and as you rollingly get through the book of Jeremiah and the book of Isaiah and all the prophets, you hear the terrible things that are about to happen to the children of Israel and many other nations. And in some ways it's almost depressing, in some ways it's almost hard to read, but in the middle of all of those stories, there was always, there's almost always a given a glimmer of hope. They were the sins of God's chosen people. You would think God would have chosen a better group than them to share his message. After all, didn't he know that they're going to fall? Why did he choose them? Didn't he know they're going to create all these terrible things? So why did he choose them? So why didn't he choose a group that would be not so rebellious? Or couldn't he have done better than the children of Israel? Could it be? Why did he? Now that might be harder for me to understand. It may be too hard for me to grasp and understand why God chose them. But I think there may be one reason that God chose them. And I think there may be a reason he chose us. Why? Anybody have any idea why he may have chosen them? I guess it was too hard to understand. Could it be that he chose them because he wanted to share his redemption story? He wanted to share what it means to see a group of people change and become like him. He wanted to do that in our lives. Isn't that why he chose us? Not because we're perfect. Not because we've done so well. But because he wants to share his redemption story. It's easy to think there was no hope for Israel. And by the way, if there was no hope for Israel, was there much hope for us Gentiles? Probably not. But in the middle of all these prophecies, we hear from many messengers that there may be hope. We also hear from every messenger the consequence of sin. But in the middle of those terrible consequences that we read in the prophets, um, we also hear of the hope of salvation. Something about a redeemer that is to come as a baby child, and he's going to save the world. You read that in the Old Testament? The message started in just a small, small way, right after that sin in the garden. Um, in Genesis 3:15 it says, "And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, something about a redeemer that will bruise the head of the serpent." So we just start hearing a glimpse already in Genesis. But the message continues to grow, and we hear a little more. About the message of, <clears throat> in the story of Moses. We read that in, the, um, in our Sunday school lesson at Mount Sinai. But the message continues to get louder and louder with David and the prophets. About a savior that was going to save the world. In the Psalms we hear about a lot about that savior. And in many ways the children of Israel become deeper and deeper in their sins. And the message gets louder and louder and louder the prophets warning them of the consequences of their sins but also always reminding them of the hope of the messiah did you get that when you read the old testament and then suddenly we get to malachi and we know between malachi and matthew there's 400 years and complete silence they may have wondered where's that message where's the messengers what's going on did the message go away is that hope gone and then we come to Christmas, the Christmas story. And in the Christmas story, we suddenly, again, the messengers and the messages are revived. And where the message ends, it starts up again. And this time, it gets louder and louder and more clear. And more and more messengers give that story, the story of hope. We soon hear from the many messengers the great news of Jesus' birth and Christ breaking the curse of sin. Romans 8, 20, Romans 8, 2 and 3 say, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The curse was broken when Christ came. Galatians three thirteen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You see, since the garden, we were all held hostage in that sin, in our sin. But when Christ was born and died for our sins, the curse was broken. And all the world was given opportunity to be saved of that curse caused by the sin. This is the message of hope. It came Christmas Day. We all need to hear this message and make it personal in our lives. To us, a child of hope is born. That's the message. The hope is that Jesus came to earth to die and take on our curse because of our sins. God put our sins and the sins of the world on him. Jesus Christ giving us an opportunity to be saved. That's the message that the messenger was giving. Now let's talk about the messengers. And I'm going to talk about four different messengers this morning. Um, We'll briefly give you just a little bit about each messenger. There are many messengers throughout history. In fact, the Bible from the beginning is basically a story of messengers doing what? Giving us hope of Jesus Christ. And then after Jesus Christ, it is messengers telling us that he's coming again. Um, That's the story of the Bible. It's a story of hope. It's a story of Jesus Christ. by the way, I was going to ask, maybe ask you, who are the messengers that you know of? And let's just quickly go through a few, and then I'm going to talk about the four that I have. When you think of messengers in the Bible, who do you think of? Somebody real quickly, keep us awake for Christmas. Angels. Angels, of course. John the Baptist. Baptist. All these were on my list. Paul. 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 Who else? There's many more. Who are the messengers of Christmas? Isaiah. Isaiah. That's one I am talking about. The others I didn't put in. Who else? Shepherds. Shepherds. Another group I'm talking about. There's many more. Simeon, Simeon, Mary, Anna, and we could probably, a list goes on and on. First messenger I like to look at is Moses. And the reason I like Moses is because, uh, the reason I want to talk about Moses is just because we have him in a Sunday school lesson. And actually, when I was reading that in the Sunday school lesson, I was kind of um, made aware of these messengers and, and kind of spurred me on to, to the message this morning. In Acts 7, in our Sunday school lesson, verse thirty eight 37-38, it says this. Now listen to this about the messenger. This is what Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God rise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles, the giving unto us. Who said this in our Sunday school lesson? Who was saying this in our Sunday school lesson? Stephen, right? And he was pointing back to... Deuteronomy um, chapter, I think, 18 verse 15 and saying, Moses was that prophet. Um, and he was basically pointing back to, to, to the, him and then saying, and you killed this prophet who Moses spoke of. Stephen was quoting Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen and reminding them of the words of the first messenger of Jesus, the words of Moses saying, Jesus was there with the angel when I received the Ten Commandments and he is the greater prophet that will come after me. Read this in Jeremiah, and the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you ask of the Lord your God at Horb on the day of the assembly, when you said, "Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die." These words were spoken to the children of Israel as hope and courage. A little before, see Moses was about to die, and he said, "I'm about to die." And there's going to come many prophets after me, but there's going to come one great prophet who you'll be able to speak to face to face. And how did they know that all these prophets weren't those prophets? Because he says, this prophet will be greater than I. And who was the first prophet greater than Moses? Jesus Christ. There was no other prophet after Moses other than Jesus Christ who God could speak to face to face. Also interesting to note um, the second difference we find in Moses and the rest of the prophets is Moses is the only prophet till Jesus who was a lawgiver. You see, Moses gave the Ten Commandments, and Jesus gave us the law of grace and truth. It says that in 1 John 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moses was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He was the greatest messenger, um, or one of the, I would say one of the greatest messengers that ever lived till Jesus came on the first Christmas day. And many, many years before that day, Moses gave the message of Jesus, that great prophet coming here to earth. Many, many years. So we go way, way back, and already the messengers are giving the message, pointing to Christmas day when Jesus is going to come back. Second messenger I'd like to bring... Gives us one of the clearest prophecies of Jesus in the Bible, and that's Isaiah. His name was brought up already. Isaiah wrote a whole book, and I didn't realize this till I studied. But the Book of Isaiah is basically a book of Jesus Christ. Um, it's a book of prophecy pointing towards Jesus Christ, and I'm kind of excited about going back to Isaiah and reading it again and seeing um, Jesus Christ. Now we know the many verses in Isaiah. We memorized a lot of them um, about. Jesus Christ, ones like, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Um, or we know Isaiah 53. Um, there's probably many other verses in Isaiah that we know that point to the prophecy of Jesus Christ. This verse I just read there in Isaiah 9:6. the verse tells us, Someday we will have that great king literally in person ruling our world. Today, we have that king as King of our lives serving as king of a spiritual kingdom, but someday we're going to have that great king, the one who is um, wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, ruling here on earth. I love the way John MacArthur said this about the verse, and this one hits us pretty hard hits a home pretty good today with thinking about the impeachment hearing and what's going on in, in um, I guess they call it the circus in, in Washington, D.C. right now. But he says this, politics and government, we seem, to, we seem to see them as necessary evils, bringing frustration to us in a way they lead. Very true. We recognize the failure of human solutions, but at the same time, we know something must be done to fix what's broken in this world. What man can't do, God has done. He's given us the Messiah. This leader will bring no confusion. He's the wonderful counselor. He'll bring no chaos. He's the mighty God. He'll bring no complexity. He's the everlasting father. He'll bring no conflicts. He's the prince of peace. I'm guessing we could probably have a sermon on that verse alone. The book of Isaiah is a complete prophecy of Jesus Christ. And we see this in so many verses in the book of Isaiah Isaiah prophesied as a messenger of God, and his son Jesus Christ under the reign of four Judean kings—Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah—and he likely met his death with the fifth king, Manassas. Christian tradition says he was cut asunder, cut in two, which in Hebrews eleven thirty-seven it talks about um, the prophets who were cut in two, probably talking about Isaiah. The book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ in the entire Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life, the announcement of his coming in Isaiah 43 to 5, his virgin birth in Isaiah 7, 14, the proclamation of a good news, 61, 1, his sacrificial death, Isaiah 52 and 53, which we know, and his return to claim his own in Isaiah 60. Because of these and numerous other texts in Isaiah, the book stands as a testament of hope in the Lord, the one who saves his people. So we see the story of salvation coming through over and over and over again in the book of Isaiah. The book contains one of the clearest expressions of the gospel in the Old Testament. Even from the first chapter, it's clear that the people who've turned away from God... And failed their responsibilities as children. Yet God miraculously holds the out hope to these unrepented people. The message is a child of hope is born. What a beautiful message. Um, so when you read Isaiah this upcoming year. Just remember that is a message of Christmas. It's a lot easier to talk about Christmas than it is to talk about Isaiah. But remember the book of Isaiah is a message of hope. Pointing to Jesus Christ and pointing to Christmas Day for all of us. Third messengers I like to talk about is messengers in the book of Daniel. And no, it's not the book of Daniel. Um, It's two kings. It's King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius. Um, Probably not going to get into that real deep. But it's interesting that these two men, wicked, very probably not what you would expect as messengers of Christ, gave the message of Christ's eternal kingdom. Or you could probably say, you could make a case saying they gave the message of Jesus Christ. Um, these kings we may even see in heaven someday, I do believe, I don't, can't say that for certain, because of their repentant spirit. Um, and it's interesting, I think most messengers of Jesus Christ, it's not wasn't so important of who they were, uh, but it was the, how they repented before they gave their message. And, and I think these kings would do that. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said, Nebuchadnezzar, after God brought him down and humbled him, said this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. This unlikely messenger prophesied of an eternal kingdom ruled by Jesus Christ. And then the other one is um, Darius, which is kind of an interesting... Um, fellow in the Bible. He's the one that put Daniel in the lion's den. And if you know the names of our sons, the oldest is, or the third is Daniel, and the fourth is Christopher Darius. And they typical born says, um, I'm Daniel, I'm greater than you, and the second born says, I put you in the lion's den, <laughs> or the next one says. So anyways, Darius was an interesting character, we did name Christopher Darius after this king, um, and, he ends, and he says some very interesting prophecies about, um, I'm just going to read those prophecies about Jesus. Uh, let find Daniel. Daniel 6, right after Daniel was, put in the lion, uh, was taken out of the lion's den, he says this. <clears throat> For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel with the power of lions. Oh, I'm sorry, he talks about his, conting- his kingdom going on forever and ever, um, which I think is prophecy of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the fourth group of messengers, and this is the shepherds. Another very unlikely group for God to use and announce the arrival of the Savior for the whole world. Um, and we talked a little bit about the shepherds this morning. The story of Jesus' birth is a... <clears throat> I think I'm just going to read a section here by um, Gabriel a blog by Gabrielle Powell titled, Why Shepherds? And just help us to think through, why did God choose shepherds um, as messengers of Jesus Christ? I'm just going to read this. The story of Jesus' birth is short and includes a small cast of characters. The angels reserved their most magnificent announcement of Jesus' birth for the least likely recipients who were shepherds. And why did they deserve such a privilege? Shepherding is a prominent theme in Scripture. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. God as a shepherd is all, all over the Old Testament, and Jesus is described as shepherds in the New Testament. Believers are confronted by Jesus' words in John 10, I am the good shepherd, Are comforted by Jesus' words in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I know my own, and my own know me. I lay my life down for the sheep. In many respects, shepherding is a noble occupation. But there's a downside to shepherding. Shepherding had a hard time maintaining. Shepherds had a hard time maintaining religious purity during the time of Jesus. You see, the Pharisees defined it defined it this way. They couldn't keep the Sabbath because she- sheep needed constant protection. Shepherds spent most of their time in the fields, away from society. And had no influence to speak of. In modern terms. They were the blue collar workers. Largely unnoticed by their power. By those in power. Shepherds were in the lower class of society. Imagine God hired you. To plan the announcement of his son. The savior of the world. Who would he choose to tell him? Probably not Caesar. Because Caesar would be jealous of him. But wouldn't he make sense to tell those who had favorable influence over the people? Wouldn't it make sense to declare the arrival of the Messiah to those who studied his coming his entire lives? Yes, it would make sense from human perspective and from a human agenda. But God's perspective and God's agenda is quite different than ours. So why shepherds? Why would God choose to make this spectacular announcement to a group least able to spread it? Would it make sense to announce the birth of Messiah to the student? Wouldn't it make sense to announce it to the students of his coming? It would make sense to proclaim his arrival to those who had the ability and authority to spread the news throughout the world. But God didn't do it that way. He chose to entrust this magnificent news to the group of shepherds with no special standing and no voice in in their community. Why? God revealed Jesus' birth to the shepherds to shame the proud and those who think they have the answers God's revealing such news to the shepherds makes sense when you hear and read what Paul said in 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. But God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not that are not to bring to nothing things that are. God revealed Jesus' birth to the shepherds to bring joy, to bring them joy, and also the people who were lowly and hurting. God is looking for humble messengers to tell his story and to bring us the world, us the world, his joy. Does it bring you joy to know the Son of God came on earth to die for you? Do you realize you did not deserve to hear the gospel and receive eternal life? In conclusion, I just want to ask a couple questions. Um, Let's ask ourselves, who are the messengers carrying on the message today? I think we know that answer, right? Who are the messengers? We are. Each one of us. So, as we go about this Christmas season, what are we going to do about that? Are we going to carry on that message? I'm just going to stop right now and I'm going to ask you children who probably in a couple days, Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, are going to be opening up your packages and getting excited about Christmas Day. Can you stop right what you're doing right before you open up that package and think about that message? Stop. Stop what you're doing and thank God for his wonderful gift to us sending his son Jesus as a baby that Christmas day so we can be saved from our wicked sins. Remember, you're the messengers of Jesus. There are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus, the baby in the manger who came to save us from our sins. Will you remember that on Christmas morning before you open your gifts? Can we remember that, children? And for you parents, this is for you. In the scurry of the next week or I say parents or adults, as you're about to pick up your next, your next gift or your gift that you're wanting to get, will you stop what you're doing in the middle of your craziness and first of all, thank God for the gift he's given us. And after you thank God, remember you're a messenger. God's looking for you to pass on that message to people around you. There's probably someone around you who hasn't heard the message who needs to hear it. Let's do that this Christmas Um, let's all remember this Christmas season to be that messenger God has called us to be. We have a very important message, a message of hope, um, a message that we know in the Christmas story that many people haven't heard. Are we going to be that messenger this Christmas season for those who haven't heard it? Let's kneel together.